Whether you're a professional athlete or a seasoned corporate executive, it is easy to enjoy a lifestyle where a paycheck is calling all the shots. But is that sustainable forever? Welcome to Tell Your Boss I Quit with Pete Gutekunst, founder of Good Financial Services and financial planner with Raymond James. Pete helps you financially bridge from the journey you've started through the life goals you've imagined. Sooner or later, by force or by choice, life takes turns. Listen as Pete discusses how to take charge and make your move on your terms with confidence. We admire leaders. We follow them. Is the ability to lead others something that can be taught or is it something that is innate? Well, Pete Gutekunst's guest has something to say about that. John Gronsky is a decorated Army veteran who served for more than four decades as active duty Army and National Guard. As the CEO and founder of Leader Grove, John teaches leadership. And Pete, John's also an author. Yes, I am so excited for our guest today. John is an author. The Ride of Our Lives, Lessons on Life, Leadership, and Love, and most recently, Iron Sharpened Leadership, Transforming Hard-Fought Lessons into Action. And we'll take a little bit of a dive into those concepts. John Gronsky, Major General, U.S. Army, retired, is CEO and founder of Leader Grove LLC. He's a battle-hardened warrior, a patriot, a father, and he's a great storyteller. So welcome to Tell Your Boss I Quit, John. And I typically introduce our guests and just say, tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got here. But you know, with you and your background experience, that might be the only question I get in for this podcast. So just give us a little synopsis on your life's journey and how you got to this point. Hey, Pete, first I want to uh, thank you for you know inviting me to be on your podcast. Uh, I've listened to them. They're fantastic. And I always get a lot out of them. So Thanks for the invite. Thank you. A little bit about myself. Grew up in northeastern Pennsylvania, small town outside of Scranton, Pennsylvania, uh, 5,000 people, music. So, you know, staying uh, childhood, I was the youngest of seven. Uh, So uh, I always had, I I think that's one reason I was able to keep my weight down because, you know, (laughs) my brothers and sisters usually, usually, uh, they got to the table me. first. <laughs> they, they, they did. Uh, but anyway, um, you know, went to high school there, uh, went to the University of Scranton. I uh, was into ROTC there. And uh, that's how I got my Army commission, went on active duty for four years between 1978 and 1982, left active duty, came back to northeastern Pennsylvania on bicycles, by the way. And mm-hmm. I know we're going to talk a little bit about about that, but um uh came back to northeastern Pennsylvania with my wife Barity and and our son on on our bicycle trip and uh, got involved in the family business there for a while uh from there I transformed into working for a management consulting firm so I worked with a lot of fortune 100 uh companies uh doing some executive coaching and also um uh implementing large complex projects uh, for utilities, uh, telecommunications, healthcare, in primarily the Philadelphia region, but also other parts of, of uh, the United States. And then uh, went uh, full-time with the National Guard back in 2011. Uh, uh, that was after I was deployed to Iraq as a brigade commander uh that that occurred in 2005 and 2006 and by the way ramadi iraq at that time was a a very violent 
dangerous place. And I just have so much respect for the soldiers and Marines I served with who just did a, a phenomenal job there under very trying circumstances. But anyway, um, I had the, the opportunity to command the 28th Infantry Division, 15,000 soldiers. It was a National Guard division, 15,000 soldiers spread across the state of Pennsylvania and into some other states near PA. And then spent the last three years of my career as the deputy commanding general uh, for National Guard at U.S. Army Europe. So that was just a another great experience uh, serving my last three years in Wiesbaden, Germany, but had the opportunity to travel to almost all of uh, the 50-some countries in the U.S. Army Europe area of responsibility and did a lot of work with our NATO allies, a lot of work with our uh, other uh, partners over there in Europe, uh, spent some time in Ukraine while I was over there. Uh, and uh, again, great way to end my career. Uh, when I left the Army in 2019, retiring after just over 40 years of service, I started my own leadership consulting firm because uh, one thing about the Army, the Army does grow leaders. And I uh, had so many opportunities to to lead and to mentor uh, junior leaders that I wanted to continue to give back in some way. And I think the best way I could give back is by helping others become better leaders. And uh, that that's what I do. Uh, love it. And uh, again, just glad to be with you today. Well, like I said, like, uh, we could almost get a podcast out of that. A lot to, <laughs> to unpackage there and a lot of great experiences. And our message here at Tell Your Boss I Quit is, how to know you can thrive and not sacrifice in retirement and what retirement looks like is changing so much from, from what it used to mean in the past. And so there you are a major general, two stars, 40 years of service. You could have done countless things. You could have just said, hey, I've done enough. Uh, and you chose to, to give back, as you said. Uh, how did that career inspire and inform that work as a leader and a strategic coach? And I guess really what made made you want to share that skill with the world? Yeah, I, I think the thing is, in the 40 years of, of my service in the Army, I had so many great mentors. I had so many uh, mentors, not not only people I worked for, but people who worked for me also mm -hmm. provided me mentorship. You know, our non-commissioned officers, for example. And uh, I was just so blessed to have uh, people like that around me who helped me out in in my life and my career. And so I think that's really what inspired me that I want to continue to, to help others. I didn't want to just uh, retiring from, from the army. I just didn't want to hang things up and, you know, go down to Florida and, and play golf for the rest of my life. Yeah. I wanted to uh, <laughs> continue to, to stay relevant and, and, and to help others. So really it was because of the folks that helped me uh, that I think has inspired me to want to help others. So now your training today that you do uh, in your leadership training, it's based on your theory of iron sharpened leadership, which is also the, the title of your book. And it, it relies on leading with character, competence, and resilience. So walk us through that philosophy and maybe give us some examples. Yeah, I, I think there's a lot uh, that could be said about those three elements of my leadership philosophy. When I talk about character, what I'm talking about are our values. You know, we have to uh, we really have to spend the time to identify what our core values are. And we'll talk a little bit more about that, I believe. Uh, the other element of character is trust. You know, I, th I think trust is really the lifeblood of any organization. 
Uh, if an organization is going to run effectively, there has to be trust going through the veins of, of that organization. And then the, the third part of character is care. And when I say care, I mean a leader has to care more about the people they lead than really they care about themselves. They have to put the welfare of those they lead ahead of their own welfare. I think that's really one of the uh, critical parts of of, of of leadership. When I talk about competence, there's I'm, I'm really talking about leader competence. I'm not so much talking about the technical, the technical or tactical competence that comes with one's specific industry that they're working within. But I'm talking about things such as vision. You know, a, a leader has to be competent enough to share that shared vision and purpose with those within their organization. I'm talking about decision making. You know, leaders have to have the courage to make decisions with less than perfect information. Mm -hmm. And then mm -hmm. I'm also talking about uh, communication. You know, leaders have to have good communication skills, uh, you know, verbally, body language, including listening skills. It's not only a leader talking, but it's also a leader listening. And then resilience is the third element. And when I talk about resilience, I'm talking about positive energy. You know, a leader has to be optimistic, but it has to be realistic optimism. Um, you know, for a leader to be optimistic, there has to be a believable plan that goes along with their optimism. Uh, I'm talking about fitness, and I'm not only talking about physical fitness, that I, I do think physical fitness is important, but I'm also talking about emotional fitness, mental fitness, spiritual fitness. All of those uh, elements of fitness come together. And then the uh, last element of resiliency is vulnerability, which means a leader has to be able to push themselves outside of their comfort zone. And a leader has to make themselves vulnerable in other ways. For example, uh, you know, leaders have to be able to share stories with others. When I say share stories, what kind of stories? You know, a leader has to be vulnerable enough to share stories about the times they've made mistakes and how they mm. were able to overcome those mistakes. Uh, leaders should also be able to share stories about you know, how they got to the point in life that they're in. What did they have to go through to get to their current position of of leadership? So those those are some some of the things I talk about when I when I talk about vulnerability. And the last last uh, last element of vulnerability, by the way, is is really asking opinions of those you lead. You know, as a leader, none of us have all the answers. That's why we have a team around us. And a leader has to allow themselves to be vulnerable enough to ask those who work for them, you know, what their opinions are. Mm -hmm. So I'll just pause there for a moment. And I think we could maybe uh, talk about some of those elements in more detail. Yeah, yeah absolutely. And it's interesting to hear. Uh, we just kicked off our vet fellowship program at the Union League last night. Uh, it's our fifth cohort going around. And it's interesting because we've got people transitioning from their military career into civilian life. And the last part you said about, and you said a couple of times already, is getting that 360 degree view. And so what's unique about our group is some of these are, you know, E5 sergeants like I was uh, when I served in the Marines. We have a couple of 06, which was a Navy captain uh, and an Army colonel in the group. And we bring these people together. And what's unique is that young GER NCO is sort of intimidated, I guess, in, in non-civilian examples. And we find that they have a lot to share uh, just maybe because of where their post-military experience is to that point. And so I think that's really a 360 degree and being open to, to hearing all of that. And that's really 
why you seek out advisors in 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 your in your life. But you go through all of those. So those are great examples, uh, or great uh, a great foundation of a philosophy. But your book is is really about stories. Can you share a little bit of some stories about uh, you know some of those examples that exhibit those things? Yeah, you know, uh, in terms of of character, uh, there was a. Uh... Uh, a young Navy corpsman that I served with when I was over in Ramadi, Iraq. And it was in October 2005, uh, the Marine platoon that he was providing medical aid for was out on a mounted patrol and uh, they were attacked with an improvised explosive device that was so powerful that it, it caused that six-ton up-armored Humvee that he was riding in to turn over onto its side. And mm. when the dust cleared, there were three wounded Marines laying along the roadside, and there was uh, this uh, young Navy corpsman, we'll call him Doc Leo. Uh, he was uh, he had his leg partially trapped underneath that overturned up-armored Humvee. Some Marines came over to his aid, began to jostle the Humvee enough for him to drag his leg out from underneath. And I'll tell you, the wound was very severe. His leg was hanging on by just a tendon. Mm. And and he put his he put a tourniquet on his own leg and then without orders from anyone began crawling across the roadway to to render medical assistance to those three wounded to Marines. others how about that wow yeah and when uh the ground casualty evacuation uh vehicle arrived on the scene when those three wounded marines were loaded into the casualty evacuation vehicle doc leo was in there and uh doc leo refused morphine so he could keep his mind about him so he could continue to render medical aid on their way back to the aid station. And when he got back to the aid station, actually it was our, our Charlie Med, which was a, a level of care above an aid station. His leg had to be surgically removed. So here was this wow. young, this young 19, 20 year old man. And uh, now he had to face life without his leg. And I actually talked to him before he was transported out of our forward operating base. And his main concern wasn't with the fact that he lost his leg. His main concern was, hey, could I continue to serve in the Navy so I could con continue to serve with the Marines who I love so much? And wow. as it turned out, he was medically retired, uh, ended up going to uh, college in California. But this is the cool thing. Two years after that wound, he ran in the Army 10-miler 10 10-miler 10 in Washington. No kidding. State. Wow. Yeah. So, I mean, he really just got back into life. Uh, didn't let this uh, adversity uh, overcome him. And uh, it really, he really displayed the values of the Navy and the Marines and her courage commitment. And I think if those values were not really part of his being, he probably would have had a, a harder time, first of all, fulfilling his duty as, as a, a, a medical uh, corpsman. Mm -hmm. And I think he would have had a harder time adjusting and coming back strong in life. So there's just an example of how important values could be in our life. No, absolutely. I uh, through through Raymond James, we frequent uh, usually every year we have a run. I believe it's called Blades of Glory. Um and we as firm Raymond James makes a donation at the race, but these are all amputees uh, and a number of them are I believe from uh, you know service uh, injuries. But there's a lot of young children who who participate in the race, and we raise funds for these uh, running, uh, I guess you know, um, prosthetics. 
And I think that's a true mark of leadership because these young kids, they the same as your story, they they exhibit, you know, I'm not going to let this hold me back. And that's just an inspiration. That's inspirational leadership too. That's remarkable. Yeah. You, you know, P, there's one other thing I kind of want to mention about values. And, and actually a friend of mine, his name is Len Morella. He graduated from West Point, I think back in 1958 or something, uh, served in the army. Uh, retired as a colonel. And and then he wrote a book and the name of the book is In Search of Ethics. And mm. it was really uh, the way he wrote this book is he would go around and interview people uh, about uh, who, who had a reputation for being ethical and character-based leaders. And one of the people he interviewed was uh, Coach K, you know, who, who coached Okay, him. sure. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, uh, Coach Krzyzewski, you know, he graduated from West Point himself. Uh, was a basketball player at West Point, of course, you know, uh, gained so much notoriety coaching Duke basketball. But uh, during the course of the interview, Len Morella asked Coach K, because Coach K had been talking about how important values are. And and Len said to him, you know, what do values have to do with winning a basketball game? Mm. And Coach K said, well, you know, values and character have absolutely nothing at all to do with winning a basketball game. However, values and character have everything to do with winning a championship. Ah, and, and well, he knew a thing or two about that. <laughs> yeah, and I think that's just a great lesson because a lot of times people ask me, "Well, how about toxic leaders? You know, don't don't toxic leaders sometimes gain success? And they don't. They're not a character based leader. You know, their mm-hmm. their values are low values generally, not high values." And I say, yeah, you know, now and then a a toxic leader could gain success. However, in terms of long-term success, very seldom does a toxic leader gain long-term success. And I would even say a toxic leader never gains long-term success. So if you want to be a champion, if you want to gain that long-term success, that's where character-based leadership really comes in. Great. Yeah. And I'm grateful that you you're you're gonna be able to stick around. We're gonna jump to a, another part of our discussion here. But before we kind of wrap this part up, I'm listening to you. I I'm a, I was a Marine Corps veteran, Desert Storm. I read your book. Your stories really resonated with me. Uh, the, the one you just shared. But how does every man or woman listening to this interview, how do people uh, you know, maybe there I, I meet people, oh, I could never have done what you did. And, you know, I chose to do it. You chose to do it. We chose to serve. But how can they take these uh, lessons of leadership and apply them in, in, in their lives? Yeah, well, first of all, I think I think anyone could learn and develop to be a, a stronger leader than they are today. As a matter of fact, I'm still trying to learn how to become a better leader, uh, truly. You know, I really think it really comes back to the thoughts that we have. Uh, and and I, I actually created a model which which really leads into, hey, the thoughts we have, you know, they could be negative thoughts or hopefully they're positive thoughts. And we really have to work on the type of thoughts that we put into our head. It has to be a deliberate effort. But our thoughts actually lead to our values. And I think we have to be, again, deliberate about identifying our core values. What are our core values? And a lot of people never really thought long and hard about what their core values are and have written them down. I, I've done that. And I, and I think it's very important to identify what are the three to six most important things in our life in terms of values. And then once we identify those values, 
we need to factor those values into the decisions we make. You know, think about that. If we're if 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 we should be factoring our core values into our decisions, how do we do that if we don't even know what our core values are? Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. extremely important to do. And then think about this: our decisions shape our actions, and then our actions reflect our character, mm-hmm. and then our character is really what cultivates trust. So it all really all starts with our our thoughts and our values. And if our thoughts are negative, if our values are low, because not all values are good values. You know, there's some people who value disrespect. There's some people who value favoritism. There's some people who value racism. I mean, those are all low values. Uh, And so it it all leads up to, you know, what kind of character do we have? Is it a a character that we could generally be proud of or is it Mm -hmm. a character that really is character that is is not fitting of a productive person and and again it all comes back to hey if, if we have good character we're going to be able to, we're going to be able to cultivate trust in our organization if we don't have good character we're probably going to destroy trust in our organization so i think if people think in those terms beginning with their thoughts and leading up to the type of decisions they make the type of character that they they have a reputation of having uh things kind of come together yeah, that's. Uh, I'm so glad you said that. I think core values in financial planning, we talk about goals, but really you need to have your core values. That's going to lead you to setting the, the proper goals. We talk a lot about purpose and you have to start with that foundation. Yeah, yeah. It's like, what 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 are your goals? Is your goals to have a, a strong family unit? You know, then then you may be saving in, in an, or investing in another way. Is your, is your goal to continue a, a business opportunity is your goal to simply drive off into the sunset and retire. So I think that you're exactly right, Pete. Yeah, those core values are so critical. So, so John, we're going to wrap it up here, but how can uh, people reach you? How can they learn more about your messages and, and hear more about what you have to share? Yeah, I think the best way is simply to go to my website. And it's a pretty easy website, johngronsky.com. Uh, okay, have, we'll get I that in a, the liner notes too, but I think we can remember that one. <laughs> yeah, and then there's I have another website, leadergrove.com, and they actually both link to one another. But I, on my website, johngronsky.com, I mean, people could read my blog. I have a YouTube channel that people get access from there. They could actually uh, uh, download a free leadership pamphlet that I put together, so no strings attached, just just uh, download this free leadership pamphlet. They could order some of my signed books uh you know on my website but there's a really a, a ton of free leadership development resources on my website so i re- would really like to uh, invite people to visit johngronsky.com also very active on social media you know linkedin instagram facebook uh i post uh, a lot of hopefully helpful leadership tips on those platforms and people could visit me there as well all right, Pete, now we know how to reach John, but how can someone reach you? Yes, well, you can reach us at gootfinancial.com. If you want to pick up our book, Tell Your Boss I Quit, you can go to tellyourbossiquitbook.com and you can order it there or through Amazon. Uh, gootfinancials.com, uh, you can uh, sign up for just a quick conversation. Uh, we can help you get connected to great people like John and other people in our network. And we would love to have a conversation with you. And I would love to keep our conversation going with John as well. So stay tuned and uh, please come back and check us out here at Tell Your Boss I Quit. 
And just as Pete said, for the rest of this interview with John Gronsky, follow the podcast. Very simple. And if you find this interesting, share with others. Thanks for being with us. Thank you for listening to Tell Your Boss I Quit. Click the follow button below to be notified when new episodes become available. To learn more about defining your financial purpose and how you can thrive and not sacrifice your spending in retirement, download Tell Your Boss I Quit by Pete Goodekinst. The information covered and posted represents the views and opinions of the host and or guests and does not necessarily represent the views or opinions of Raymond James. This content has been made available for informational and educational purposes only. The content is not intended to be a substitute for professional financial advice. Always seek the advice of your financial advisor or other qualified financial service providers with any questions you may have regarding your individual situation. Securities are offered through Raymond James Financial Services, Inc., member FINRA, and SIPC. Investment advisory services offered through Raymond James Financial Services Advisors, Inc. Goot Financial Services is not a broker, dealer, and is independent of Raymond James Financial Services. 